still hearing it i will probably have nightmares <laughs> we'll get to that so we see a um a very technical looking room and uh, crew at different consoles and one of them one of their number uh returns from a trip uh, we learn that it's thon and he's arrived back from a trip to uh, a planet called Delta Magna. Um, and one of the crewmen is at a, a console and he says, well, I see like a shadow, an echo um, of your ship. And then it's like another one. And it's like, oh, it looks like somebody followed you down. So the uh, Thorn uh, tells of uh, his trips and that the, there was a group on Delta Magna called the Sons of Earth and they seem to be a civil rights type organization and but there's talk of them arming the uh, native population that they seem to call the Swampies um, semi-savages um, and also Thorne says that there's a gunrunner that's well known to, to them Ram Dot that they think that he may be about. So they think, well, maybe he's the one who followed his ship down to try to hide his trail. And uh, so Thon and Fenner head out to to look for him. Because if he's landed in the the swamp area, it's mostly wasteland, and it can Thorn says he can be very dangerous in the swamp as he grabs a a weapon and heads out. We also see in the room there, there is a man with very, very green skin, green hair, but he's in um, a different kind of uniform than what they're wearing and appears to be their servant. Um, they he, we learn he's Mensch and he's one of the native people. So the Doctor and Amana have landed in very, very tall swamp, swampland. The reeds are almost up to the roof of the TARDIS, and Amana says, did you have to land us in the middle of a swamp? This poor canine is marooned. And um, they say, well, we won't need canine. We won't be here long enough. So we find a clearing, and Amana takes the tracer and starts to uh, do a search, and it's a very diffuse signal, she says. A very acting kind of strangely so she says I'll go try the higher ground over there which he immediately says the same exact thing and sets himself down to um, to wait for her in the in the swamp grass Thon and Fenner are off uh, to find Rom Dot and they have a like a, a hovercraft speeder that they head over the water with the doctor fashions a reed pipe, it seems, or something like that, while Ramana is searching uh, in the brush in the little tributaries of the swamp. We see the 
more of these green-skinned men in more native clothing um, paddling along in a canoe with a white man in a big floppy hat and the doctor plays on plays a tune on his reed as Romana searching those green men comes and they grab her and put her into their boat. Fawn and Fenner get to the dry land and they spot the doctor at a distance they and they shoot and the doctor falls over to the ground. The uh, men the the natives and the man who have taken Romana, we find it are Ramdot and Varlik. Um, he, uh, uh, they ask her something about the refinery, and Varlik says, uh, "Is she? A, do you think she's a technician for a refinery?" It's like, oh, that they she wouldn't be a technician. They technicians are. Um, they can't use their computers. They're not fighters or something like that. And they set off into their boat. The doctor, as the um, Benner and Thon are talking about the fact that this isn't Ram Dass that they've shot, says, you shot the wrong man. The doctor gets up and says, not quite. You shot the wrong man's hat, though, and shows a hole in his hat. And they... Uh, the doctor says he, he talks about you know losing a friend and he says I must go look for her. So oh well the swampies must have him. So he says well how do I talk with them? He says well you don't. You're going back with us. And Thorn won't have it any way other way and makes the doctor go back with them. The doctor tries to uh, lighten the situation and says well there was strawberry jam for tea. And they just think he's crazy. Uh, so Ramdot is, uh, they've landed at their settlement and he secures Ramana to a rock area and tells her that she better cooperate. And he says, you know, well, I know you don't work for the refinery because I know they don't employ women. So what are you doing here? What were you doing in the swamp? And she won't answer. He says, what were you doing? He says, catching butterflies. And he threatens her some more and says, well, she says, oh, is that supposed to be a joke? She says, no, I, um, oh, I'm not, no, I'm not in the mood for jokes or something. She says, oh, okay, well, I'll try, I'll try not to think of them. And she says, well, if I told you, it wouldn't really matter. And she says something about the refinery. She says, I don't know about anything about a refinery. And he again tells her she should cooperate or things would go badly for her. So the doctor is brought back to this refinery, um, which is where the, all the crew are working. Um, and they say that he was trespassing in a prohibited area of a classified project. And the doctor says, what, a methane cat categorizing refinery? It's like, I've seen dozens, and they're all surprised because they think this is a brand new venture and brand new operation. And the doctor is very familiar with what they do there and how they do it, and even starts to make a 
recommendations. Well, if you do this before you this type of uh, converter, then you'll get a better result. And one's saying, well, that's brilliant. And there's another crewman who keeps saying, well, he is crazy, which anyway, it's a doctor. So Romdot hands the guns over to the natives. We see the um, more of the native people and their leader is called Rankling. Um, Romdot says it says as much that they are from the sons of earth, the guns. And he asks uh, Rankwin to sign a receipt or have his signature to prove to them that he delivered the guns. And um, So they go through all of this and then um, Barlick suggests to his leader Rankwin that they sacrifice the, the Dryfoot woman. So they make all the the non-native people. They sacrifice her to the Great One. Back at the refinery, the uh, they're going over their operations and how they do what they do and how they make these orbit shots of compressed protein out um, every so many hours after their processing is finished. Um, the, the doctor mentions, oh, there are just six of you here. It's like, Thorne says, no, five. And he points to everyone and says, and and says, oh, you're including Mensch, the swampy? He, oh, he doesn't count, the doctor says. No, he doesn't. They talk a bit about the native unrest because they, uh, Thorne says two of his men have been killed already and he's not very clear on the details when the doctor questions him about it. But they say that how when they put 10 refineries like this, um, on the planet there'll be no room left for the natives and you know there's they have a right to be upset one of them says um begin uh someone says oh you sound just like the sons of earth or something like that but the doctor questions about how they could have enough methane to um support more refineries in a lake this size he says oh no we we have plenty um and then they get ready to make their orbit shot. And so everyone is preoccupied with their countdown and their um, switches and dials and everything that they're trying to get ready. And the doctor slips out. The swampies are making ready for their ceremony to their great one. And there's much drumming and dancing and the chanting. You don't want to do the chanting for me? No. Go, go. Go, um, and uh, they open these gates, and there's um, creeper over the gates, and there's uh, some native-looking imagery next to it, and they've uh, Rome Dot has brought Ramana in and um, secured her to um, a stump or something that's there. There's torches lit on either side of her, and he says he doesn't really care if she survives or not. It's, you know, what they believe. So they are getting ready to 
and they are praying to their god uh, they call Kroll. So the doctor takes a look around and he sees a um, a uh, big flashlight, a big torch, but he puts it back up on the uh, um, up on the shelf that he found it, excuse me, um, and tries the door and the door's locked. So he, he uh, fiddles with the control device above the door, but Vaughn and Mensch are coming and so he kind of hides off to the side and busts it off like, oh well, I've seen one launch, you've seen them all. And then he, Mensch, he notices the chanting and the drumming that he can hear in the distance and Vaughn says, oh, it's coming from the settlement. And Mench says, my people are calling Kroll. And he tells that they're probably performing a sacrifice, which means they're planning for war. Um, the doctor wants to leave immediately and says, oh, you'll never make it across the swamps in the dark at night. He says, I have a very good idea who they're sacrificing, and Ramon is not the easiest of guests. But Vaughn won't let uh, the doctor leave, and it takes, makes him go off back into the control room with him. We see Mensch get up and grab the large flashlight and go out of a panel onto the deck of the refinery and he's sending signals with this light. The doctor sees that Mensch has exited that way and he manages to sneak out of the door. We next see him in a um, canoe type kayak boat and he uh, rows his way off. Ramana tied to the, secured to the area where they're chanting and calling for Kroll, um, is trying to convince herself that it's just superstitious nonsense and um, trying to make herself not be afraid. The doc, and uh, um, the doctor as he uh, is rowing along sees a native with another flashlight sending signals back to Mensch most likely. So the doctor alights from his ship, from his little boat, and follows this native as he goes off towards the settlement. Um, the Rankwin orders them to close the gates and that Kroll is rising from the depths. Romana screaming and then we see that she's um, secured and there are pinchers of some kind coming at her up to her, fa uh, her face and her neck and we end <laughs> not my favorite key to time story yeah I can, I can see why and right away we noticed it was partially because it's written by oh Robert, by Robert Holmes, Holmes. Yeah. And I knew it was, I missed that it was him in the opening titles. I knew it was him because almost immediately the Doctor and Romana get separated. Yeah, it was like five minutes in. He says, it's a hallmark of his writing. I know who wrote this. <laughs> it's like, yes. But, uh, yeah. And we have more filler where they're running through, you know, walking through the swamps. Yeah. You know, following the swampy back to the settlement just takes, it's 
enough. It's nothing scenes. They're nothing. Yeah. To this, really to the story. We see a couple shots, which I didn't mention, longer shots of the refinery in the lake, which is obviously a water tank with a little model oh, yeah. out of it, yeah. you know. So the less we see of the refinery is probably the better. Um, We have uh, quite a few people that we know from other Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, one that we have not seen before, but we hear a lot. Mm. Yep. John Leeson, the voice of K-9, gets a part as one of the crewmen. Uh, Dagin is his name, the one who had told him that there was another ship arriving with him, with mm -hmm. uh, Thorn. Uh, then Thorn... Um, we have seen before, and you said Mind of Evil, I think. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Rankin, the uh, leader of the, the Swampies, uh, has been in a couple, in three, but we've only seen two so far. Um, two others so far. I mean, there's one future one we haven't gotten to. And then no, no, no. The, the one that we didn't see, it's got pieces missing. It's an oh. old one. It's oh, a second it's Doctor story. Oh, okay. Um, and then, of course, there's Fenner, who we have seen in, like, is it four now? This is the fourth. The fourth one. Philip Maydock comes back as Fenner, which is the first thing I ever saw him as. Mm -hmm. So when we saw him as Warlord and the other things, that, and... Um, well, he was in, in the Crotons. Morbi he, he was, was in, in Morbius. Brain of Morbius. Yeah. He was in the War Games, and he was in this. Not in that order, obviously. No, no. But I thought, oh, it's Fenner. Morbius is where I first saw him. Yeah. So, um, and I never recognize him in this. As oh, yeah. I, no, because I, I can't, I don't recognize him if he doesn't kind of look like the guy from Morbius. Mm. As he the looked in Morbius. Hair, like longer the, and darker hair. Longer and darker hair. He kind of looks like some of the images of um, Shakespeare, actually, in Morbius. Yeah. I think with the longer page boy kind of hair and the little. Anyway, yeah, he, he, and he looks different in uh, the Warlord, uh, War Games, when we first saw him as a Warlord, too. He's got the little round specks on and the short, you know, short hair. Yeah. And very mauve looking. Uh, it's his voice that, that, that oh, yeah. stands yeah. out to me. Speaking of, yeah. I did not recognize John Leeson because his voice doesn't sound anything to me like canines. No. No, I only knew that because I saw it in the titles when I first saw these episodes. It's like, oh, hey, he played, he's K9. Yeah, and usually um, it's the voice that's a giveaway to me. Uh huh. I almost always can get someone based on their voice, even before their their look. Yeah. But yeah, you, do, you don't hear the uh, K9 uh, bit in his voice as he's in this role. Um. So. Looking at the Swampies, uh -huh. one thing I notice is that they're all very efficient at macrame. Yes, much their, their hair, essentially. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be their hair, I think. Is, it looks but like. But it's a macrame basket on his head. Yeah, yeah. Or a plant hanger. Rankwood in particular is yeah. obvious for that. Well, and they're all like different lengths and like they cut it funny. 
and then dyed it green, mm -hmm. and then stuck it on their heads, and dyed them green too. Some of the other guys, green. the other swampies, like Mench, his hair was more hair-like. So it, somewhat. Yeah, yeah. It was almost more like um, dreadlocks. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. More controlled than yes. dreadlocks. Um, As opposed to Ranklin. Which really does look like woven in some Rank parts. Rankins. Yeah, Ranklin. Yes. Like um, woven and unruly and kind of stuck together. Mm -hmm. uh, different styles and almost. Um, the other ones are just kind of wild-ish looking. Um I wonder if they, they, I would think that they probably did that somewhat on purpose to make Mench, maybe they've, they're trying to make him more civilized. So they're trying to reflect that in his hair being more, not really combed, but um, he's not as unkempt as the, his more wild brethren. Could be. Um, but yeah, they look like Green Dreads. Except for Ranklin. Ranklin's is really, really out there. It does look like uh, macrame gone really wrong. <laughs> Stuck to his head. And they are really, really dark, uh, bright, uh, Kelly green, really. All of them. And Unfortunately, it's obviously body paint. Yeah, yeah. It's and body paint. somewhat uneven body paint at that. Yes. It will get worse. I'm Maybe sure it's will. because they're they're. It's mo well, not mostly, but a good part of it is that exterior filming, in the swampy air like, landscape. So, maybe it was, quite, um, a lot of humidity in the air. So there was, a, you know, maybe that's why it lends to the uneven coloration of some of the swampy's legs and stuff and extremities anyway you know? yeah and it, it I think it uh, is more apparent in later episodes too I think it's a little bit of a departure I mean they've had savage looking um peoples on different planets before but they haven't always been so different as they have it being all green you know mm -hmm. so it is a bit of a, a change for them sure to make them really really quite different and really really a part of the planet or the moon that they're on the swampland mm -hmm. that they live in that's their home and they really do look a part of it. I have to say that. And the uh, refinery crew really are not. <laughs> you know. But it's that, you know, it's, that's another part of Robert Holmes's work is that they're very, seems very cut and dried, you know. Good, bad. Good, bad. Uh, very well-defined sides, I guess. But is it? They're making the humans out to be bad, but here the Swampies are sacrificing Romana. Well, apparently sacrificing Romana. Mm -hmm. Admittedly, the 
claw thingies at the end didn't look very realistic. <laughs> and that may be important. I can't remember, but... Um, yeah. Well, there's that. But they think it, that she is one of the people that are their enemies. Well, I guess he, he draws... Um, well... He, he draws his lines fairly early. Mm-hmm. And depending on how you want to... It may not be just good and bad. Or maybe, you know, he presents the sides of what's good and what's bad from each point. Right. You know, we think from the, the refinery people's point of view, their progress is good, and the swampies are bad for not wanting them to take over their homeland. Um and then on the other side of the line that he's he's started out by pointing out quite quickly that um, the native people are trying to defend their land and they don't want the the refiners coming in taking over where they live and they're going to defend their territory. So he he draws the, he puts the people in the separate camps, and I guess then things ensue to show us who's what their point of view is as the story goes along <laughs> unfortunately like you said he you know puts the his local characters in separate camps like that and then also separates the doctor and the monarch mm-hmm. into each of them in different ways you know they're both kind of being held prisoner captive she's just being held and then going to be sacrificed Yes. Where he's just being held because Thawne is uh, uh, very suspicious of him and wants to keep him around. Um, let's see. Oh, we're to, you, uh, we talked about it when they start the chanting and the drumming and everything and the, the big gates with the native artwork on the uh, front and then the praying to Kroll and the, even the restraining Ramana with the torches next to her and everything was very King Kong. Oh, yes. You mentioned it and I said, that's the second thing I wrote down. King Kong, Kroll. <laughs> because we do have a very, I mean, not even very similar. It just is the um, sacrifice of the, of the pretty girl to their great one, their god, who they Revere and our and fear, huh? And it's a beast. And it's a beast, yeah. Um, but it's even set up like that with this giant gate. Mm -hmm. um, and they close the gate. Yep. And they, they close the yeah. gate. Uh, it's a big giant wooden fence on either uh -huh. side of the gate. It's. An archway. Yeah, with the archway. And like I said, the yeah. torches on either side of her, you know, and she's kind of restrained right there as the her, as the offering that they have made her. Yes, very much. And we do have, uh, Thawne does describe to the doctor once meant to say something about the crawling crawl and he touches crawl. What is that? So it's that the locals, they worship, it's like a giant squid or something. Yeah. We have a kind of a vague idea of what Kroll is. Mm -hmm. 
not a spoiler or anything. He does mention yeah. it. So it's yeah, kind of thrown out. He mentioned that. Yeah, but it's yeah, kind of thrown right. out there. But you know, if you're not really listening, you would miss him saying what it was. But yes, King Crow. It's pretty much what we see there. <laughs> um, I did think it was funny when. And they're talking about the sacrifice. Well, I think I have a, I have a very keen idea who they're sacrificing. And she's not the easiest of guests. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of funny. <laughs> can't remember exactly what Ramona said. And I'm sorry I missed the mic retelling. And she says something about, he says something there's no time for jokes. and. I'll try to think of one. <laughs> Here's what she says. Yes, it's like, I'll try to think of one. And then he asks, you know, who she could come with or anything. And he says, oh, just a doctor. And he says, well, where is he? He says, probably looking for me, I expect. <laughs> I did notice, though, since we mentioned it in, in the last one or the last couple, when they get to the swamp, and they're looking for the segment, he doesn't have to tell her to use the tracer. Mm, true. She already has it out and ready and is looking and there's a weird signal. So she goes off um, to look, to um, get a better reading. Um, I think they can stop the, um, I know, I'll try the higher ground over there. I know, why don't you try the higher ground over there? This um, thing that they do between the two of them where she'll suggest something and he'll make the suggestion like he hasn't even heard her. Just so that, she, you know, I guess he could be the one to say he suggested it. Uh, it seems unnecessary. And I think it's probably a little bit... They've, I think they've gone past that now. That they shouldn't be focusing on that type of their relationship because I think early on that fit but I think they've progressed mm -hmm. but he does it with other characters too and it, it's it, it's funny once in a while but uh, I think they've done it a lot recent, lately anyway. at least more so in the key to time section story. I don't know. Could just be me. Um, is there anything else? I don't think so. Oh, and I should say for our um, any of our British listeners, I know that it's pronounced methane in the show. We would say methane, in case anyone's wondering <laughs> what that was. It's not all that different, but it's just one of those little pronunciations that we have different, like aluminium. <laughs> <laughs> Tomato. <laughs> that type of thing. I guess I've just seen this one so much that yeah. it was natural to me to say methane. But 
in this country would say Marcos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did have to think when they when they were talking about the production of it, the taking the the methane and doing what they do with it, and um, this I don't know if it's a gas or waste extraction or something like this. Talking about this whole process made me think of the dirty jobs where they make the pots out of recycled cow products and he has a whole methane refinery at the the little guy that repeated everything that micro said yeah <laughs> it was very annoying but he had this processing plant that he you know made on his farm and their descriptions of all the all the steps that they're going through and that just made me think of that weird little episode of dirty jobs <laughs> Which we saw not too long ago, so yeah. that's probably why I thought of it. Probably. So, <laughs> should we talk about our ending? Sure. With the silly claws. <laughs> yeah. I guess we should probably also mention that we've noted, you've noted anyway, that his episodes run a little short. So. It seems like it. I'm, I may be totally wrong, but. So. These, you know, we may not have that much to talk about on some of these because I, like, I, I think I said when we were talking about when we saw them running through the, or the doctor following through the reeds after the swampy, it's like, okay, that's a lot of seconds of just swampland and it, a lot of filler. And I said, I think we, I foresee a lot of swamp running in our future. Mm-hmm. There's uh, not much to talk about. The um, the like, uh, like that crab claws actually coming towards her, but really bad fake crab claws. And we don't really see we see a close up of her face, head, neck, shoulders, kind of, and then into shot from the bottom is coming these these two pinchers like crab pinchers. And there's, you can tell there's kind of like a vague black shape they're attached to, but you don't really see anything more than that. The rest is like cut off from the screen. So we don't even know what the rest of the creature looks like. Yep. Maybe it's the, the, um, the dragon prawn. <laughs> it almost kind of looks invisible, that way. From the invisible enemy. But it only had one big pincher. One big claw, I think. So this I one don't has remember two. now. Yeah, they kind of block it out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it was so horrible looking. Um, yeah, it, it's... I made the comment, it's like, oh, it might be scarier than the Beast of Tara. A little thing that jumped out, a little hairy beast that jumped out of the rock. From the Androids of Tara's episode. But, yeah, I'm not even sure that that stands <laughs> right now. Might not be scarier than that. Kind of fake, like... Like a... Big soft-shell crab pinchers or something. The kind of black-tipped crab pinchers. Yeah, something like That's that. That's what they look like. There's a huge crawfish. <laughs> Crayfish. Depending on where you are. Cardo. 
Friday, that's the weekend. Here's the fish pulling in the creek, crazy. I don't know why. We didn't need them. It's just kind of funny. Something weird to do over the summer. Yeah. They even had a cool little plastic pool in the backyard. That's really nice. Just watch them. They like liver. If anybody wants to catch any, beef liver, liver on the on on the pole as bait, because they kind of get their claws stuck in it. your tip for the day so we're not really worried worried about Amana. no she's screaming far too much than i would think she would by now you well, think she wouldn't scream quite so much yeah but you know it's the way to end there's probably not a better place to end i don't think it's as good a place as any. Yeah. At least they attempt at uh, suspense, I guess. It's just not a good attempt. Right. Partly because the creature monster attacking Ramana is so laughable. Yeah. And I guess you could explain some of it away that, you know, she's confined there and she's already trying to convince herself that there's nothing that's really going to come and get her. It's just superstition. Yeah. She's trying to convince herself not to be afraid because she's afraid. So, you know, so she's in a scary situation, but we don't, and let's just be, uh, you know, still curious to how she's. How she'll be freed, but I'm pretty sure she will be. So it's more of a informational thing. It's like I wonder how she'll get out of it. Not do I think this these little crab pinchers are gonna really hurt her. Right. All right. Yep. Well, I guess that'll be it for today then. Join us tomorrow when we talk about episode two of The Power of Kroll. Team Kroll. <laughs> Makes me think of Pepe from Muppets Tonight. And King Prawn. I mean, I was talking about Dragon Prawn. I almost said King Prawn. <laughs> it, it just makes me think of Pepe. I mean, King Prawn. Join us tomorrow. And thank you for listening.